0: You're listening to KZOM, only public radio. The Ghoul During the reign of the Caliph Vatik, a young man of good repute and family named Nuruddin Hassan was hailed before the Qadi Ahmed bin Bakar at Busora. Now Nuruddin was a comely youth, of open and gentle mien, and great was the astonishment of the Qadi and of all others present when they heard the charges that were preferred against him he was accused of having slain seven people, one by one, on seven successive nights, and of having left the corpses in a cemetery near Bussorah, where they were found lying with their bodies and members devoured in a fearsome manner, as if by jackals. Of the people he was said to have slain, three were women, two were travelling merchants, one was a mendicant, and one was a gravedigger. Ahmed bin Bakar was filled with the learning and wisdom of honourable years, and withal was possessed of much perspicacity, but he was deeply perplexed by the strangeness and atrocity of these crimes, and by the mild demeanor and well bred aspect of Noureddin Hassan, which he could in no wise reconcile with them. He heard in silence the testimony of witnesses who had seen Noureddin bearing on his shoulders the body of a woman at yester eve in the cemetery, and others who on several occasions had observed him coming from the neighborhood at unseemly hours when only thieves and murderers would be abroad. Then, having considered all these, he questioned the youth closely. "'Noruddin Hassan,' he said, "'thou hast been charged with crimes of exceeding foulness, "'which thy bearing and thy lineaments belie. "'Is there haply an explanation of these things "'by which thou canst wholly clear thyself, "'or in some measure mitigate the heinousness of thy deeds?' If so it be that thou art guilty, I adjure thee to tell me the truth in this matter. Now Nur Hassan arose before the Qadi, and the heaviness of extreme shame and sorrow was visible on his countenance. Alas, O Kadi, he replied, for the charges that have been brought against me are indeed true. It was I and none other who slew these people, nor can I offer any extenuation of my act. The Kadi was sorely grieved, and astonished when he heard this answer. I must perforce believe thee, he said sternly, but thou hast confessed a thing which will make thy name henceforward an abomination in the ears and mouths of men. I commend thee to tell me why these crimes were committed, and what offence these persons had given thee, or what injury they had done to thee, or if, perchance, thou slewest them for gain like a common robber. There was neither offence given nor injury wrought by any of them against me, replied Nur and I did not kill them for their money or belongings or apparel, since I had no need of such things, and, aside from that, have always been an honest man. Then, cried Ahmed bin Bakkar, greatly puzzled, what was thy reason if it was none of these? Now the face of Nur Hassan grew heavier still with sorrow, and he bowed his head in a shame-faced manner. That bespoke the utterness of profound remorse, and standing thus before the kadi, he told this story. The reversals of fortune, O kadi, are swift and grievous, and beyond the foreknowing of advertence of men. Alas, for less than a fortnight agone, I was the happiest and most guiltless of mortals, with no thought of wrong-doing toward any one. I was wedded to Amina, the daughter of the jewel merchant Abul Kojia, and I loved her deeply and was much beloved by her in turn, and, moreover, we were at this time anticipating the birth of our first child. I had inherited from my father a rich estate, and many slaves. The cares of life were light upon my shoulders, and I had, it would seem, every reason to count myself among those whom Allah has blessed with an earthly foretaste of heaven. Judge then the excessive nature of my grief when Amina died in the same hour when she was to have been delivered." From that time, in the dire extremity of my lamentation, I was as one bereft of light and knowledge. I was deaf to all those who sought to condole with me, and blind to their friendly offices. After the burial of Amina, my sorrow became a veritable madness, and I wandered by night to her grave in the cemetery near Busora, and flung myself prostrate before the newly lettered tombstone on the earth that had been digged that very day. My senses deserted me, and I knew not how long I remained on the damp clay beneath the cypresses, while the horn of a decrescent moon arose in the heavens. Then in my stupor of abandonment I heard a terrible voice that bade me rise from the ground on which I was lying, and lifting my head a little I saw a hideous demon of gigantic frame and stature, with eyes of scarlet fire beneath brows that were coarse as tangled rootlets and fangs that overhung a cavernous mouth and earth-black, longer and sharper than those of the hyena. And the demon said to me, I am a ghoul, and it is my office to devour the bodies of the dead. I have now come to claim the corpse that was interred today, beneath the soil on which thou art lying in a fashion so unmannerly. Begone, for I have fasted since yester-night, and I am much unhungered." Now at the sight of this demon, and the sound of his dreadful voice, and the still more dreadful meaning of his words, I was like to have swooned with terror on the cold clay. But I recovered myself in a manner, and besought him, saying, Spare this grave, I implore thee, for she who lies buried therein it, dearer to me than any living mortal, and I would not that her fair body should be the provender of an unclean demon such as thou. At this the ghoul was angered, and I thought that he would have done me some bodily violence, but again I besought him, swearing by Allah and Mohammed with many solemn oaths that I would grant him anything procurable, and would do for him any favour that lay in the power of man if he would leave undespoiled the new-made grave of Amina. And the ghoul was somewhat mollified, and he said, If thou wilt indeed perform for me a certain service, I shall do as thou askest and i replied there is no service whatsoever its nature that i will not do for thee in this connection and i pray thee to name thy desire then the ghoul said it is this that thou shalt bring to me each night for eight successive nights the body of one whom thou hast slain with thine own hand do this and i shall neither devour nor dig the body that lies interred hereunder Now was I seized by utter horror and despair, since I had bound myself in all honour to grant the ghoul his hideous requirement. And I begged him to change the terms of the stipulation, saying to him, Is it needful to thee, O eater of corpses, that the bodies should be those of people whom I myself have slain? And the ghoul said, Yea, for all others would be the natural provender of myself or of my kin, in any event. I adjure thee by the promise thou hast given to meet me here to morrow night when darkness has wholly fallen or as soon thereafter as thou art able bring the first of the eight bodies. So saying he strode off among the cypresses and began to dig in another newly made grave at a little distance from that of Amina. I left the graveyard in even direr anguish than when I had come, thinking of that which I must do in fulfilment of my sworn promise to preserve the body of Amina from the demon. I know not how I survived the ensuing day, torn as I was between sorrow for the dead and my horror of the coming night, with its repugnant duty. When darkness had descended, I went forth by stealth to a lonely road near the cemetery, and waited there amid the low-grown branches of the trees. I slew the first passer with a sword, and carried his body to the spot appointed by the ghoul. And each night thereafter, for six more nights, I returned to the same vicinity and repeated this deed, slaying always the very first who came, whether man or woman, or merchant, or beggar, or grave digger. And the ghoul awaited me on each occasion, and would begin to devour his provender in my presence, with small thanks and scant ceremony. Seven persons did I slay in all, till only one was wanting to complete the agreed number. And the person whom I slew yesternight was a woman, even. As the witnesses have testified, all this I did with utmost repugnance and regret, and sustained only by the remembrance of my plighted word and the fate which would befall the corpse of Amina if I should break the bond. this Okadi is all my story. Alas, for those lamentable crimes have availed me not, and I have failed in wholly keeping my bargain with the demon who will doubtless this night consume the body of Amina and lean of the one corpse that is still lacking. I resign myself to thy judgment, O Ahmed bin Bakar, and I beseech thee for no other mercy than that of death, wherewith to terminate my double grief and my twofold remorse. When Nur Hassan had ended his narrative, the amazement of all who had heard him was verily multiplied, since no man could remember hearing a stranger tale. And the kadi pondered for a long time, and then gave judgment, saying— i must needs marvel at thy story but the crimes thou hast committed are none the less heinous and iblis himself would stand aghast before them however some allowance must be made for the fact that thou hadst given thy word to the ghoul and wast bound as it were in honour to fulfil his demand no matter how horrible its nature and allowance must likewise be made for thy connubial grief which caused thee to forfend thy wife's body from the demon Yet I cannot adjudge thee guiltless, though I know not the punishment which is merited in a case so utterly without parallel. Therefore I set thee free with this injunction, that thou shalt make atonement for thy crimes in the fashion that seemeth best to thee, and shall render justice to thyself and to others in such degree as thou art able. I thank thee for this mercy, replied Nur ad-Din Hassan, and he then withdrew from the court amid the wonderment of all who were present. There was much debate when he had gone, and many were prone to question the wisdom of the Kadi's decision. Some there were who maintained that Noureddin should have been sentenced to death without delay for his abominable actions, though others argued for the sanctity of his oath to the ghoul, and would have exculpated him altogether or in part. And tales were told, and instances were cited regarding the habits of ghouls, and the strange plight of men who had surprised such demons in their nocturnal delvings. And again the discussion returned to Noureddin, and the judgment of the Kadi was once more upheld or assailed with divers arguments. But amid all this, Ahmed bin Bakar was silent, saying only, Wait, for this man will render justice to himself, and to all other concerned, as far as the rendering thereof is possible. So indeed it happened. For on the morning of the next day another body was found in the cemetery near Bussora, lying half-devoured on the grave of Nur ad-Din Hassan's wife, Amina. And the body was that of Nur ad-Din, self-slain, who in this manner had not only fulfilled the injunction of the Kadi, but had also kept his bargain with the ghoul by providing the required number of corpses. End of section 3 The Ghoul